Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In episode 28, we have Pastor Tim Gill on the Cut It Straight podcast where we talk about balancing ministry and family, the gifts of the Spirit, and integrity in ministry. I hope you enjoy it. We're excited on our podcast today to have Pastor Tim Gill. He's the pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church in Medora, Indiana. He's been my pastor, my spiritual father for many years. He's in town here at Knoxville, Tennessee for First Apostolic Church ministering our marriage retreat this year, he and Sister Gill, and we're so honored to have him here on the podcast, the Cut It Straight podcast. Pastor Gill, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and tell us about uh, your initial calling into ministry. Thank you, Brother uh, Whitley. Uh, It's an honor to be here on the Cut It Straight podcast. I'm not only a, uh, you know, uh, uh, being on it is great, but I'm a fan. (laughs) I enjoy listening to your podcast. I uh, believe it it is a great tool for ministry. I love your lessons, uh, and I certainly do appreciate uh, your ministry here on Cut It Straight. I appreciate this opportunity. You know, when you begin to reflect uh, in in life and your ministry, uh, my first initial call happened when I was nine years old. That I, you know, that I come to realize, hey, I feel like the Lord's calling me to a particular ministry. It was at a missions conference, and I remember standing in the middle of an aisle during the altar service and weeping uncontrollably because I felt like that, that there was something tugging at my heart. I didn't understand it, a child at nine. Um, but when I was 14 years old, I came to the realization of what that was, and that was a call to ministry, to, to preaching, uh, to, to being a, a part of that leadership phase of, of ministry. So I preached my first message at the age of 14, and from there uh, I went through the uh, process, you know, just growing up, going to high school, uh, having a, a life. But uh, my first revival, I preached at the age of 18 and uh, uh, got married. My wife and I went into the evangelistic field and uh, was was evangelizing. Uh, God's been good to us. Since then, we have worked in various capacities, youth pastor, assistant pastor. Uh, we've had the privilege of pastoring uh, several churches, and now we're back home. At Medora, been there uh, for almost 14 years, pastoring the home church. Uh, so, in, in a in a quick glimpse, that's that's my ministry uh, in life. But uh, uh, anyway, the Lord's been very good to me. You grew up in a uh, minister's home. Your father was uh, a Bible teacher, uh, evangelist as well. Sister Gill comes from uh, a preacher's home as well. Bishop yes. M. L. Walls. Uh, pastored and has been in various um, various positions throughout the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, being most recently the World Missions Director. And you mentioned earlier that you traveled very young, uh, you evangelized, you and Sister Gill, and then you transitioned into uh, pastoring. Now, what are some of those adjustments, adjusting from, you know, just starting out preaching a sermon here and there, then yeah. to possibly going to traveling and being full-time, and then the adjustment transitioning to 
pastoring? What are those? What is that? What has that been like for you? And how 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 have you adjusted personally and in your ministry? Well, I think uh, I think ministry and calling is like a big puzzle pieces. It's like puzzle that 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 the Lord gives you little snapshots, little pieces of the puzzle that he begins to put in your life and 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 the 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 vision is the whole puzzle and you begin to feel things. Uh, I have felt and I felt as a at a young age that pastoral ministry would be my ultimate destiny as far as ministry. But the Lord still called me to uh, various places of evangelism and uh, doing other things. It wasn't that it just prepared me for pastoral ministry. It was a piece of the puzzle. And uh, I think it was a path that the Lord put me on. And um, every part of that was essential. The years that we evangelized, it was essential to fulfilling you know, part of what God wanted to teach me, but also to minister to people seeing revivals, seeing the dynamics of churches. I learned a lot while evangelizing what to do, what not to do. Right. Uh, one of the things I did while we evangelized, because I knew in my heart I was going to be a pastor at some point in time, and not that evangelism was a, a training platform, right. but it was, it was an opportunity for me to learn, to minister and learn at the same time. Isn't that what we're, it's still about, isn't it, is ministering and learning. And so I would I would find a pastor that I thought was uh, uh, successful, or one that uh, represented the kingdom real well. And so I'd sit down and say, Hey, what do you, what do you think it takes to be a good pastor? So for me, I think transition in ministry is when I begin to see it like a piece of puzzle, and it's not isolated to that one particular thing, but it's interlocking to where I go to my next. So I want to fulfill that assignment, so I can get the next piece of the puzzle. I was traveling as an I was evangelist. I did that for three years, and uh, there were times when you're just wondering what's the next what's the next step. And the greatest advice you gave me, and I think I've shared it before uh, here on the podcast, what's the last thing God said to you? Right. What's the last thing God said for you to do? Instead of worrying about the next door, the next step, the next position, right? Do what God has given you to do, and do it with all of your might. Right. That was invaluable, priceless um, insight because I think as young ministers, we're always kind of looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And and we're living in a very discontent age, very distracted age. And so we're going, what's next? But you knew, you know, I ultimately, you know, feel like it's going to be pastoring. Right. Whereas I didn't know that, you know, I, you know, my, my whole goal was to just travel and evangelize and have revival. I wanted to avoid all of that. Um, uh, and, but I took your advice and to do all of that, do the, the best that I can, but then also to, to learn from those people. And I did. I, I took a lot of the, those uh, same steps of looking at pastors who were very successful, watching how they operated in their church, how they operated in their, in right. their giftings. So I could, I could glean later on. So within when God changed my heart and changed my mind about pastoring, I can reflect on those lessons that I've learned. And you have been such a great mentor to me. And, and, and those of you who are listening, and we're, we're interviewing Pastor Tim Gill from Adora, Indiana. Uh, he is my spiritual father. He's been my pastor for many years. You, you know, you have um, influenced me in discipling me and equipping me and pouring into me. And I think if, 
uh, we're talking about transitions and kind of just going from that. What can you tell, what's, what's some advice you can give a young minister about transitioning? You know, maybe he doesn't know what to do or how yeah. to do it. Uh, who should he go to? I mean, or perhaps, you know, he doesn't have a pastor or a man of God who can equip him like you did for me. So what maybe you can help them because there are li- those who are listening who may not have that type of guidance that I've been blessed to have. And kind of segueing into that uh, transitioning mode, I think it, it, it's real easy as you go along to start living in the past. And we tend to, as ministers, idolize the past, and then we think, well, someday I'm going to be living in the future. And I see, and it's great to have vision, but but sometimes we just don't understand the power of living in today. And uh, uh, John Maxwell has a great book called Today Matters. You, you, I recommend it. It, it, is, it is important, I think, that you find out that's true success is learning how to minister in your today, learning how to be involved in today, where you are in that. If the Lord hasn't given you another word, okay, you're moving on to your next assignment, is that live in that assignment, even when it gets ugly or when it gets hard, because you're learning things that will help you get to your next step. But I think it's really important in ministry to to have a vision, yes, but don't live in, in tomorrow only, like one of these days when, when I get this or when I have this particular position or I have that particular, uh, you know, I'm pastoring this church or I'm, I'm assisting in this particular place. If I could just have this job is that true ministry is ministering in, in today. That's good. What faces you today? And I think that that is a challenge. Now, as far as somebody, um, you know, if they don't have somebody in their life that is helping mentoring them, I believe for every Paul, there's a Timothy, and for every Timothy, there's a Paul. It's a biblical principle. Succession is a biblical principle. I believe that uh, mentoring and having spiritual authorities in your life is a a principle. And uh, I would begin to pray, Lord, help me find that individual, because if you're going to go forward into successful ministry— it is key to have somebody that you're submitted to, somebody that you have a relationship with that that can not only train you and equip you, but can, as my dad used to say, pull your coattail and tell you, hey, hey you're off track here. And I think that is a great, one of the biggest uh, things for me uh, to be able to relax in ministry and know that I'm fulfilling my my ministry purpose is I have a, a, a covering over me. My, my pastor, my bishop, uh, M. L. Walls is is my he's my my connection through the authority. Authority flows through uh, alignment, and so as I'm aligned to him, that's where the authority comes. So does the anointing. I believe the anointing flows through headship and alignment. Uh, I don't know if the, did, does that answer kind of oh, yeah. what 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 you're looking at. Yeah. What advice would you give a young minister, a young man? who uh, may be just beginning that role of pastoring, or they're staying somewhere for a while, or what type of warnings would you give them mm-hmm. if they're just beginning to pastor? That's the first time they've, they've, they've started pastoring, youth pastoring. What, uh, what advice would you give them? Maybe perhaps what are some warnings for them? Sure. Um, I, I think one of the challenges in, in, in pastoral ministry, as in any ministry, is to be secure in your calling. And for me, early on in my, my ministry, I came to a point, uh, 
especially when I moved to back home to pastor the home church there in Medora, is 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 that what really secured me into that moment was I realized number one I was called to that location, but then the Lord spoke in my spirit one day in prayer, and He says, "I don't only call you to that location; I call you the pastor of that church." The calling, I think, is secured by your relationship with God. It's not a matter like, you know, pastoring and ministry and preaching is not like plumbering, being a plumber or being a carpenter or, or being a lawyer. Or say, okay, this is my vocation. I'm going to, I think I'll move over here to uh, Nashville and I'll take a, a, this job here. It's about knowing that you are in the location that God calls you. That's a calling to a place. But secondarily is to know what God calls you over that place then that means that you are equipped for that to do it at that location. If God calls you to a place, then he will equip you in that place to do that particular task. I think in, in, in being a young pastor, it's important. Of course, we know the, the basics. You wrote a great book on spiritual disciplines. By the way, if you don't have that book and you're listening to this podcast, go find it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the Lost Art of Spiritual Disciplines by uh, N.S. Whitley. It'll bless your heart. But we all know that we need those spiritual disciplines. But we also need to be constantly improving ourselves, Because if we're going to lead people, and we're going to take people to another level. You can't take them where you're not at. Right. If you want to be, you know, if you want your church to be spiritual, then you have to already go there. Right. If, if you want your church to have revival, then you have to already go the revival yourself because that's what leadership is about. It is right. about uh, being in a place where I'm going to improve myself through reading, through praying, through expanding my knowledge and serving my gift in the best that I possibly can. If I, if I may share this, and then we'll go to the next question. One of the principles that, that I have come to realize about ministry is that ministry is a gift. The Bible says he gave in Ephesians 4. He gave. It's a gift. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are gifts. Now, in my opinion, that's not an office. That's a gift. So he gives us those gifts. And when you begin to look at, 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 at giftings, gifting is like fruit in your life, okay? God gives you something above and beyond what it takes to sustain your tree. The tree is producing the gift. It is the fruit of that tree, all right? You got to have good tree. You got to have good bark. You got to have good leaves. You got to have strong root system. You got to have all these things to produce good fruit. But when fruit is produced, it's picked and gone, and a lot of people confuse their ministry for their tree. Ministry is gift. You serve your gift. Whenever you preach a good message, you've served your gift, and you walk away. The glory belongs to God, but it fed God's people. Right. It's not about the person. It is about the gifting. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you realize this gifting that I have is not because of me. He gave it to me. I want to serve that to the best of my ability. So right. to a young pastor, to a young minister is improve your tree. Make your tree, your person, as healthy as possible. Work on that to produce your fruit. We, we, uh, when we begin to look at, at gifts, Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's something very, very powerful here. Let me get to that. 
Um, he says, now concerning spirit, spiritual gifts, 12 and 1, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. He says, um, he says now, he goes on to say in verse 4, there is a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. There are diversity of operations, but the same God. So when you begin to study that, you will find that God gives gifts like he wants. He gives different gifts to different people for different purposes, but it's the same spirit. And then he says there's different administrations. That means there's different operations of how that gift works. There's different operations, but it's the same Lord, which means he's over it. He's over the administration of that gift. But the one that blows my mind is when you begin to study the diversity of operations, that speaks about results. Gotcha. Okay? God gives the gifts. He gives it to who he wants. And then God tells you how to apply those gifts. And then he says, I choose the results. Let me give you an illustration. Peter preached on Acts 2. 3,000 people were saved. Preached the gospel message preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Stephen preached the same message, the exact same message, and was stoned to death. And for a lot of people, they would say, well, Stephen wasn't very successful. Stephen had a gift. He operated that gift as God wanted him to do. And then God allowed him to be stoned. But who was standing over on the corner right. watching this go on? Yeah. It was a guy holding the coats yeah. who became Paul the apostle. Right. So tell me, who had the more effective ministry? Peter that preached and 3,000 were saved at that day or in one message. Now, one message, okay? Or Stephen who preached and one person came to the Lord and that one person became the major author of most of the New Testament, the missionary, and so forth and so on. So don't be discouraged about your gift. God gave it. Don't be discouraged about the way that gift is served. God's in control of it. He's Lord of that. And don't be discouraged about the way that gift is operated because He's the one that gives the results. And I want to segue into this. We, I, I mentioned at the beginning of our episode, your father, uh, Elder Fred Gill, who's been gone 10 years yeah. this year. Um, I considered him and many of my peers and others have con- considered him a prophet. Yeah. Uh, he was a great Bible teacher. He was a man of the Spirit. Um, he was one of a kind. There was just no one like him. And yeah. can, can you tell us what that was like growing up around him, being influenced by him, maybe the shadow that he cast over your ministry, or uh, perhaps just tell us about his ministry and his values of who he was. You know him best, and uh, I I want, because I think today... We, we need to know about Fred Gill. Uh, he, he, there was no one like him. I, I got to have a small sliver of time with him when I was in Medora, and uh, it impacted me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so there are others who had much more time, obviously yourself, but there are those who need to know about, uh, I believe, Prophet Fred Gill. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about him, what that was like? Uh, I'd be glad to. Uh, how long do you want this podcast oh, to boy. be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I like how you introduced him as you believe him to be a prophet. You know, one thing you would never hear my dad say no. is I'm a prophet. No, no. Never would. No. But you would watch him, and he operated in that gift mm-hmm. continually. Yes. And, um, yes, I believe him to be, you know, most most people have multiple uh, giftings. 
My dad was, was a tremendous Bible teacher. He, was, he gave me a passion for studying the Word of God. I mean, my passion for, for the Word, I, 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 I believe I got that from him, also from my father-in-law, um, Bishop M. I was. But, but the passion I get for the Word of God is from my dad. He was first and foremost a Word man. But in the gifting of, of the prophetic ministry that he had, Watched it over and over again how God used him mightily. Uh, my dad was not born an apostolic Pentecostal um, as 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 I am now, but after he got home, he was in World War II, and when he came home from World War II, uh, he started seeking the Lord. He was a believer. Uh, he believed in God. He had trusted in God, and God had been with him. But he knew that there was more. So he was attending a university uh, in, in 1948 in Texas as he came out of World War II, was getting ready to go into you know, a livelihood, going to make money and, and be an engineer. That was his passion. And he was walking down the hall of Laterno uh, College at that time in Longview, Texas, and he was reading his Bible. And he said he began to hear like a broken record coming into his, his head. Pull off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Pull off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Mm-hmm. And as he looked on a Bible, on his Bible, laying, and he's walking down the hall with the Bible in his hand, his books in his hand underneath that Bible, he said a light shone on his Bible greater than the, the fluorescent lights in the hall. And it shone on Acts 2.38. And so being a diligent engineer, he went, to the library and begin to study. Had nobody teaching him Bible class, nobody talking to him, but he went researched. He began to research. And uh, when he researched, he found out historically that the original practice for baptism was immersion in the name of Jesus. So he took my mom that the very next day, okay, with a towel in hand and drove from church to church looking for somebody to baptize them in Jesus' name until one day they found a pastor that, w- that baptized in Jesus' name and uh, he went down in water and uh, then the Lord filled him with the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you talk about understanding mentoring. Uh, my, my dad was mentored by men who were deep uh, in, in, in the gifts of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, and that's where he got his start. But uh, looking at my, my father and his ministry, he was a passionate teacher connected to Bible colleges for many years. Um, he, he was, again, used in the, in the gifts in many different ways. So uh, I don't know if you want me to go on to share some stories or anything like that. I'll be glad to do that. The, um, when I think of him, he, he was so commanding. Uh, he commanded your attention when he walked into a room. Yeah. He was tall had this very deep voice and these large hands and he he commanded the room not not simply by his, his physical stature by but it was his his spirit you were drawn to him yeah. now when you when we talk about the gifts of the spirit uh, those who might be listening um, might have this concept of TBN uh, might see preachers you know blowing on somebody throwing somebody down yeah. saying something in a microphone calling somebody out he didn't operate that way no, he, did not. he was very very reserved very he was a gentleman he taught that the holy ghost was a gentleman right. and he was used that way as a, he didn't he was not demonstrative at least not, not in my knowledge of him 
um, where but he ministered to people in a way that was uh, like like the Holy Ghost. You know, you know, he was he was always a gentleman. He would never try to embarrass somebody or draw glory unto himself. Yeah. Uh, he was a very humble man. Uh, but I want you to share the story. I've, I've shared it over the years here. Uh, I want those who are not familiar, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, they may have an idea of what we're talking about. I, I want you to tell the story about when Sister Gill had the infection in her eye uh, sure. and, and she called. Uh, can you tell that, yeah. share that story? Uh, uh, before I tell the story, let me just talk about his philosophy related to, to what you had said about the gifts of the Spirit is my dad was a word preacher. If he went to a church and he traveled for many years in, in the work of traveling uh, uh, to, to teach and preach and to minister in his prophetic gift, what he would do is that he would preach the word and he'd preach faith, and then he'd have a prayer line. And everybody that come through the prayer line would get prayed for. But if the Lord gave him a word for that individual, he would have the pastor standing by him of that local assembly, and he would pull the mic down and he would say, this is what I have. And then tell that person individually. If it was for the edifying of the body, he would tell it publicly about that person. It was for, he taught strongly about the gifts were for edification of the church, not for tearing somebody down or revealing some hidden secret or something of that nature. Uh, that's, that's the way he operated. I never knew him to be, I'm going to call this person out and make a big show out of it. Never saw that. In all my life, I never saw that. But uh, referring to the story about my wife and the infection that she got in her eyes, uh, my, my wife wears contact lens. Uh, and uh, so she, she she's a, has a very serious vision issue. She has got to have contacts to see. And so the um, one day my, my wife's eyes begin to hurt terribly. You're, you're evangelizing? Yeah, we were evangelizing at the time. And um, I mean, we're young, young married couple. And uh, so she goes to the doctor and uh, tells the doctor, this is what this is. And the doctor said, um, I, nothing's wrong. I can find nothing wrong. And I mean, he examined her and he talked to her and she said, there, there's, there's something wrong. And the doctor said, I don't see anything wrong with you. And so we leave the the doctor's office and uh, my wife contacts my dad and said, will you pray about this? And my dad says to her, said, uh, you've changed your contact solution, haven't you? And my dad didn't know nothing, didn't know anything about contacts. He didn't wear contacts. Family didn't wear contacts. But he said to her, you have changed your solution. She said, no, I haven't. He said, uh, yes, you have. You've changed your solution. I mean, there's no hocus pocus going on, thus saith the Lord, but God was using him in, in his gifting. And he said, yes, uh, go look on your label and you will find, compare it with an older solution you were using, and you will find that there is an ingredient that has been changed. So she took that and looked at it and sure enough, went to the doctor and said, could this cause this? Oh, and he said, absolutely. You need to quit using this right now. And so um, it... it, it I believe that we miss it sometimes in the gifts when we begin to make it about a show mm -hmm. or, you know, something that's only done in a camp meeting or a conference or a church revival. It's meant for everyday life. And then he taught me that. Yeah. He taught me that. that and if you look for it, you'll see the gift operating in everyday life.
we just were talking about your father, uh, Elder Gill. We mentioned earlier, Sister Faith Gill is the daughter of Bishop M.L. Walls. He pastored the church in Medora uh, for many years. He was the general secretary for the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ, the editor of the Apostolic Witness That's magazine. Right. Uh, also recently retired about two years ago from being World Missions Director uh, for the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Has traveled all over the world, probably every continent, has been to several, many, many countries written 30 books, yep. has written a commentary on every New Testament book in the Bible, which I highly recommend. You can go to Amazon and find those. It's uh, Muncia or ML Walls. I'll put those in the show notes. But your father was a man of the Spirit, uh, was used mildly in the gifts of the Spirit. Bishop Walls has been a great Bible teacher, uh, Bible preacher. Uh, not saying he's not used of the Spirit as well, because he is. Yeah, absolutely. But they're two, they're two different uh, ministries, and that's the giftings that we have. Mm-hmm. And so what you've learned from your father, can you tell us about what you've learned from Bishop Walls as he's been your bishop and your father-in-law? Wow. Uh, I, I want to put them together just a little bit. They are very different in, in their ministries, but there was one thing they had that was extremely common. Bishop Wall still has it. He's 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 a man of integrity. Mm-hmm. Integrity. Their their character right. inspired me, and their integrity so motivated me. My my dad was more concerned about his 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 character and his name than fame. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bishop Walls, the same thing. He uh, is 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 a man of high character. And uh, when you look at the, the ministry of, of, of Bishop Walls, a lot of people don't know this, but he has three doctorate-level degrees. He is an incredible scholar. Uh, he is a, a wordsmith and memorizes scripture. I watched him one time teach on Revelation, okay? Yeah. Teach on Revelation with his Bible and no notes, and starting from Revelation chapter 1, and went through the whole book of Revelation in about an hour and 15, 20 minutes, through the whole book of Revelation, quoting Scripture, going from one thing to another, all the way through the book of Revelation. Never opened his Bible, never looked at a note, one. Now, does he use notes? Yes, he does. Does he open his Bible? Yes, he does. But, I mean, that's the level of his uh, 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 scholarship, when it comes to scripture. And I learned from him a great deal about dissecting scripture and how to break it down. Uh, a lot of people don't n- n- know this about, about Bishop Walls, but he is also he also walks in a unique gifting when it comes to the prophetic ministry. Uh, he, he has a unique way. I'll just put that in there, but he doesn't make a show of that. It's right. just in daily life as well. Right. And, uh, but, but Bishop Walls was so different than my dad. Mm. Their, their personalities were quite different. Their delivery of, of teaching and preaching was quite different. And, uh, but watching them in character, watching them in love for truth and the passion for truth that they had was so moving. Bishop Walls, uh, you, you know, you've been around him. Will will humbly correct you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he will. He will. Yes. He will humbly tell you. You know, in in a such a way, it's like, oh, oh, okay, I get it, Bishop. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And 
and he is my current pastor and covering, and I lean upon him completely. Let me just share one thing. When 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 I went, my wife and I and our family came back to Medora to pastor. I had friends that told me I was crazy for going to the church where M.L. Walls had pastored for 30 years. My father was in the congregation, and it's a church that was creeping up towards 100 years of history. I actually had friends say, you're crazy yeah. for doing that. And and so, man, I went to prayer about this. I said, God, you are telling me to go where M.L. Walls is pastored? I know that. I know his ministry. I can't measure up to that. I can't fill his shoes. And I had I had people ask me, said, how are you going to fill their shoes? How are you going to fill Fred Gill's shoes? You know, I, and I know his ministry. I've watched him pray and 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 the dead come to life. Okay, how are you yeah. going to do that? How are you, what, you know, and I've watched Bishop Walls with his his incredible abilities from being church, uh, being the dis, uh, the, the national secretary for twenty five years, and the work that he's done behind the scenes, his humility, his integrity, his meekness, and all of this. And I'm, how, how are you going to fill his shoes? And and I I took it to the Lord, and the Lord. I said, Lord, how am I going to fill their shoes? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, I never ask you to fill their shoes. I want you to wear the mantle of their anointing. And when it come to when it come to when that hit me, it was freeing. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to measure up right. to ML Walls. I never can. Mm-hmm. I'm not measuring up to Fred Gill. God didn't call me to do that. He called me to let that anointing that comes from them flow through me. Now, do I want to be a person of integrity? Absolutely. Character, let me be a word person. Let me be a person that pursues the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of gifts, whatever that looks like mm-hmm. in my ministry. Right. So uh, I, I am so thankful, and I'm humbled, Nate, right. that I've had these two men, besides all the others in my life, men that have really impacted me, you know, if you find a turtle on top of a fence, folks, you know he didn't get there by himself. Right. You know, I was in Africa with him. You remember this? Yeah, I do. I was I was in Africa with him, <laughs> and he we were going to we were going to uh, one of the uh, villages to preach, and he had his international phone. He wanted to make a phone call to, uh, sister, to I think it was Sister Gill, or maybe in Sister Walls. Sister Walls. Was sister Walls. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she said that I was preaching that night, and she goes. She said on the phone, she goes, I'm, I'm praying for you. And I said, well, the Bible says we're two or three <laughs> gathered together, or if anyone touched you, you're going to I can't go yeah. Scripture. And Bishop Walsh turns around and goes, do you even know what that means? <laughs> just, do you even know? He goes, that's, that's not what that means. <laughs> and I'm going, and so I, I got so tickled at myself. I thought, you're right. I have no clue. And it taught me a lesson, first of yes. all, that you need to know what that book says and why right. why it means what it says. And I just remember him going, you even know what that means because it doesn't mean that. And, and and I went back and it didn't mean it that. Didn't mean and, that. And, and it still yeah. doesn't mean and that. By the way, if you if you if you search that passage out, which he has taught me about that, is that it's even more powerful than Absolutely. we use it. Absolutely. Because it's about relationships. Right. <laughs> so Bishop Walls has had an impact on me as well as as uh, Elder Gill and Sister Sister Gill has had an impact on me uh, in my life in my ministry and I consider her I consider her still uh, a mother of the faith and I want to say the segues into our next question you know I, I look to you as a mentor you have mentored me you have discipled me you have equipped me trained me poured into me 
ministry and uh, I mean from preaching, how to study the Bible, to prayer, to to leading all of those things that you have done for me. But one thing that I think uh, you've had the most impact besides ministry is that your role as a father and a husband. And that has impacted me because I didn't have that. You know, my dad never went to church. You know, and my, my, my dad and my mom, they lived together. Whether they loved each other, that's, I, I couldn't tell you that or not. Uh, he never went to church. He was an alcoholic. You know, he died when I was 26, died of cancer. He was a smoker since I think he was like 10 years old. Uh, and so I didn't have that. I didn't have that type of, I didn't have a spiritual, you know, biological father. And I didn't see a healthy relationship at home. Mm-hmm. But you showed me an example of what it, you, what it looks like to be a spiritual husband and a spiritual father. And so I thank you for that. First of all, thank you for, for being that example because there's so many who don't know how to balance ministry and family. But you have done that and have done that successfully. Uh, two children, a uh, daughter and a son who are both in ministry, living for the Lord, married uh, uh, a beautiful young lady and a great young man who are both in ministry. Uh, and, and so you've, you've done that. You've balanced ministry and family. And this is a podcast for young ministers. And when we see you know, we, we see preachers, we see pastors, we see all the, the, the you know the, the glitz and glamour of ministry, we want to have that. We want to pursue mm-hmm. that. But I think sometimes we want to sacrifice our families, maybe unconsciously or you know we don't do it purposely, I don't think. And to have that, how can you and how have you uh, balanced both success and excellence in ministry and success and excellence in your family? You know, Nate, that's, I, I think, a tremendous question. It's a very relevant question. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to answer exactly what, you, what you're looking for. It's impossible. Balance is impossible. You can't do two things at one time. Multitasking, look it up on Google, is, is an impossibility. I think the only way you do that is make sure they're fused together is that the ministry and your family is fused together. If there is any kind of balance, it will make sure that your number one calling is to your family, not to the pulpit. The number one calling is to to be the priest of your home. That's every father's job. So he's to be the priest of his home if he is a a carpenter. And and so I I feel like that for me, uh, it it has been a lifetime pursuit. Mm of making sure that my children understand ministry is not a drudgery. Hmm. I don't make ministry a drudgery. I don't bring nasty parts of ministry home and parade them for my children. I want them to think it's fun. I want them to see the joy. I want them to see, which is the majority of the time, there's always the hardships, there's always the trials, and we haven't hid that reality from them. But it is just simply saying, this is our way of life. And, and sometimes I feel like I haven't done a really great job, you know. Uh, but I think you learn to invest in your children. If there's anything that I've learned, uh, uh, Brother Nate, is I want to make sure my children hear my voice. If they know that there is any uh, uh, affirmation, it's not going to come first from an outside source. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from my voice. I want to look at them and tell them who they are. I want to tell them what they are going to become. I believe that's Adam's original 
purpose for his family was to speak into his family's life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for me, it, 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 balance is an impossibility. It's a matter of understanding how you fuse the two together. They blend together. And you, 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 you just have to learn to say, okay, what's my priorities here? What are my priorities? And for me, that has been an ongoing reevaluation. What are my priorities in my family? And for a young pastor and a young minister is, and we, we just talked about this today, is first, you need a vision for your life, your personal life. Secondly, you need a vision for your family. More than a vision for your ministry, you need mm-hmm. a vision for your family. Mm-hmm. Where are you going? What are you going to do? And then look at that vision. And then all, when it comes to vision of ministry or vision of a job, then those three visions need to mesh. Headed the same direction. Mm-hmm. My family's heading the same direction. It's in the same direction with my ministry. I'm not going to go over here and say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. We're going to take off a time from the ministry. Well, how do you do that? Right. We're going to go on vacation. We do. We do. We have, we have, we've come to understand the value of, of vacation with family. But they're still fused together with ministry. When we go away, we're talking about God. We're talking about the Word. We're talking about being used in ministry. We're having fun about, about what God is doing in our lives. And, you know, years ago it used to be God, church, family, job, like they were different worlds. Right. They're not. Mm-hmm. I, I come to realize, Nate, that my family world and my ministry world is one. It's not different. They're not like two separate things that I can balance. Mm-hmm. I've got to learn to fuse them into one. And oneness is the essential essential element of both holiness and integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, integrity comes from integer, which is an undivided number. Mm. One. One single unit. Your world is one. And, and to me, that's the best advice I can give is make your ministry and your family fuse together into one direction. Um, I'm, I'm so honored that you, you've taken time out of your busy schedule uh, here to be on the Cut a Straight podcast. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can hear your preaching, your teaching, maybe your website. We can go to get some of your information. Tell us a little bit more where we can hear more from you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can, of course, follow me on Facebook. Uh, that's that's one way. Follow me on Twitter, uh, and 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 connect with me there. Also, uh, Medora Pentecostal Church podcast is uh, where you can hear our preaching and our teaching. Uh, get get connected with us there on iTunes and the Medora Pentecostal Church podcast. Uh, we are currently restructuring our website. And look for that to get up and running, uh, hopefully in this year. But want to want to work on on uh, doing more things. We have we offer all kinds of Bible studies. Contact me; we'll 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 help you in whatever way we can. It, it, that's part of our passion and ministry. We do want to be equipping. We do want to be helping uh, church leaders and ministry and families. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what God's going to do with that aspect of our our ministry. I think I kind of see it as a next phase where we're going and uh so just connect with us on facebook or social media and uh we'll help you out any way that we can 
Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. For more information, episodes, and articles, go to my website, nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley, and be sure to go to my Facebook page, nswhitley.